visiting preacher, you don't know who belongs and who doesn't. If you're visiting today, I want to tell you, you found a wonderful church. And uh, a faithful Bible preacher stands here every Sunday. Uh, you got to put up with a guest preacher today, but come back next Lord's Day and hear him. And uh, I'm just grateful, and I really mean that, to get to spend two or three days with this church and to see what God has for us this week. Now, the difficult thing about preaching on uh, the fall Sunday where we change time, it's good because everybody shows up for church on time or early. How many of you were a little ahead of it today? That's good. The bad thing is everybody gets hungry and ready for lunch early. Uh, so let's just get it out of the way. How many of you are ready already thinking about what you're going to eat when I get done preaching? Would you raise your hand? Appreciate these three honest souls. That's good. And uh, I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm not going to preach all day today. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs> that's the wrong place to say amen, but that's all right. And your part is I want you to listen with your heart. Uh, when I finish preaching, I'm going to ask everybody, and when I say everybody, I mean if you're breathing, I'm talking to you, everybody in this room to join me in one of two prayers. And you say, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, that's your business. That's not between me and you. You're not going to talk to me. Prayer talks to God. And you say, well, which one is for me? You'll know. By the time we get there, you'll know which one belongs to you. But here's what I discovered a long time ago. People come into buildings like this and sit down in comfortable seats and look at guys like me and try to stay awake for 30 minutes and hope he doesn't bore you to tears and all that kind of thing. And they were thinking about, you know, what, what we're going to do after. But I'm convinced of this. When you open the Bible, you are opening the very word of the living God. How many of you would like to hear God speak? Yes? Look, if I said Jesus is preaching in this auditorium this afternoon at 2 o'clock, would you come? You would never leave. You'd call all your friends and neighbors. You'd fight over the front seats. Jesus is speaking in here at 2 o'clock today. Do you understand God wrote a book? He put it in black and white. He made a way so we could hear from God anytime we want to hear from God. Now, how many of you think when somebody speaks to you, the nice thing to do is talk back to them? If we see one another on the street, you speak to me, and I'm rude and don't speak, you think, what's wrong with that fellow? But do you understand? God speaks to us through His Word. We speak to Him through prayer. And I'm just convinced, I really mean this, that the right thing to do when God speaks to you is respond to him in prayer. So I'm telling you right up front, so you won't be surprised, when I get finished, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer, and we're all going to talk to God about what God's saying to us. With that in mind, I want you to open your Bible with me, if you have one, to the book of Philippians in the New Testament. And if you don't have a Bible, look off the person next to you, try to get next to somebody that does, so you can follow along as I read. I'm going to begin in the beginning of the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the Bible study hour, we really studied the opening four verses together, and they're amazing verses, and I'm not going to re-preach that. But let me read through them, and we'll come to our text. Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And I think verse 6 may be one of the most powerful things in the whole Bible. I really mean it. Every time I read it, it puts fresh courage in me. 
In a world of uncertainty, here's some certainty. In a world of question marks, here's an exclamation point. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I told the people earlier this morning, the last word of verse 4. What is the last word of verse 4? Would you say it out loud? What's the word? It's the first time that word is used in this book, and this book is full of joy. In fact, I, I would challenge you to do something. Read through the book of Philippians. It's only four chapters long. It won't take you long. Don't do it while I'm preaching, but on your own time later this afternoon. Read through it, and mark every time you find joy or rejoice or rejoicing. This is one of the happiest letters you'll ever read in your life. And here's the amazing thing. From the very beginning, Paul makes it very plain that the joy is not connected to him. It's connected to Jesus. People come to churches sometimes hoping the preacher will give them some good word they can get through another week or they, they think if I attach myself to a church or to a certain group of happy people, maybe I'll get happy and rub off on me. It doesn't work that way. Look, joy is not something you can muster up. You can't buy it and nobody can give it to you. It is something God himself puts in you when you come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. So from the very beginning, he connects joy to the gospel. You might even want to mark in verse 4 the word uh, joy and in verse 5 the word gospel what does gospel mean it means good news i'm so sick of watching the news right now anybody else tired of watching the news it's the same stuff over and over and over again and right now it's all really bad stuff nationally internationally politically economically and after a while you can watch enough of that you can just get absolutely depressed with the whole thing and uh, i call them eeyore christians everybody remember who eeyore was Everything's bad. Everything's on the down note and in the minor key. I want you to know something. For the child of God, I'm not looking for the end. I'm looking for a new beginning. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for Antichrist. I'm looking for Christ to show up. I'm, I'm not looking to go down. I belong to the Lord and He belongs to me. I'm going up when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. There is joy in Jesus and that joy comes to us through the good news of the gospel. I bring you to these two verses, verse 5 and verse 6. For a few moments, I want to talk to you about the three greatest days of your life. If I ask you to, today to take out a piece of paper and make a list, you've got to make your own list, and I want you to put on it the greatest days of your life, what would they be? Uh, your birthday, that's a good day. That's the day you came into this world. How many of you are glad God gave you life? So that's, that's wonderful. Uh, it may be a special birthday stands out in your mind. The pastor and I were talking earlier about getting older and um, another year passing. But, you know, every one of them is a gift of God, and every one of them you say, just thank God I lived another year. Great days. Could be the day you got married. For me, that was a great day. I married, I grew up in the mountains of West Virginia, uh, but I married a girl from Michigan. And the uh, only way a girl from Michigan and a boy from West Virginia ever get together is they meet in college, you know, and that's what happened to us. And uh, we, we fell in love. We were just friends and fell in love and got married. Friday the 13th, that was the day we got married. It was the luckiest day of my life. I still remember standing in the front, the back door open, and she came through, and I thought, this is a great day. And it was a great day. 26 years ago now. I remember the day that our our first daughter was born November the 4th. Yesterday was her birthday. She's 24 now. 
I remember holding her in my hands and looking at that little baby. Thank you. What a gift. I was there when Lauren was born and our son Grant and special days. Just you parents know exactly what I'm talking about. Three months ago, we had our first grandchild. And uh, man, am I excited about it. I've got pictures if you'd like to see them after church. You know, I used to watch grandparents and think, these people are crazy. And now I understand. I've joined the club. It's amazing. It's another level of love. And I was there. We drove through the night. I was preaching outside of Washington, D.C. And a fellow was helping me, drove me through the night and got, got to Hickory, North Carolina in time for the birth of that baby and walked into that room and looked at that little baby and just powerful, powerful stuff. Great day. There are days that stand out in your mind. Uh, look, while I'm talking, I'm not just trying to tell you about my days. While I'm talking, how many of you are thinking about some days in your life? Yes? You know, life is made up of lots of ordinary days. You do understand that, right? Most days are not spectacular. Most days, ordinary. But there are some days God seasons life with. They stand out. They're above the ordinary. They're special. May I tell you what really makes a day special? The presence of God that day. The presence of God. God made man on the sixth day. Back all the way up to the days of creation. It was not to the sixth day. I wish you had time to talk to you about that. In the first five days, he created and made everything that man would need to live on the planet. Adam could not have lived on this earth until the sixth day. So the all-wise, all-loving, all-powerful God knew exactly when to make man. And by the way, man, Adam and Eve, the only thing God made with his own hands. Everything else he spoke into existence. Read it for yourself. We, we preachers get pretty artistic, you know. We say he flung the stars in space and carved out the rivers with his pinky, but that's not what he did. He just spoke. He said light. There was light. It was very good. He spoke it. It's the power of the Word of God when God speaks. But God made Adam. He made him from the dust of the ground. Everybody look around you just a minute. You have my permission. Look around you just a second. Look at those people sitting around you. See all those people around you? You're looking at certified balls of dirt right now. That's what you're looking at. Somebody said, that's not nice. All right, look up here. You're listening to a certified ball of dirt. You know why that is? Because God made man of the dust of the ground. And breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul i think from the very beginning god was giving us a picture look please that we are nothing and everything we need is dependent on him and from the beginning he wanted our life to be in his hands do you understand the personal nature of god's relationship with man and with woman from the very beginning but did you ever notice that though he made him on the sixth day and he gave him work to do had to name every animal. You think that was a big job? He had to have dominion, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. I mean, he had huge assignments. Did it ever dawn on you that the first full day Adam ever lived on the planet was the day of rest? He's made on the sixth day. What is the seventh day? The seventh day was the Sabbath. The seventh day was the day of rest. You know, if I had made man, aren't you glad I didn't make man? If I had made man, and he had all that work to do. I just said, now get after it, boy. you got a lot to get done. But God made man, told him what he needed to do. And then the very next day said, this is going to be a day of rest. You know, this is powerful. It means the first 24-hour period that 
man ever lived on this planet was lived resting in the presence of Almighty God and fellowshipping with His Creator. What is that? That's God's desire for every man and for every woman. I don't know you and you don't know me. But I know what God wants for all of us. What is it? He wants to be near you and He wants you to be near Him. I say again, the greatest days in life are the days that affect eternity. The, the days where the Lord comes very near and we come very near to God. What are the greatest days in a man's life? Well, all three of them are here. Look at verse number four. Excuse me, verse number five. For your fellowship in the gospel from the, what's it say? So mark that in your Bible. There has to be a first, right? The first day. You might write in the margin of your Bible, Acts 16. If you'll come back, if you'll come back Monday and Tuesday, I'm going to go to Acts 16, and we're going to study Acts 16 together. Do you know what Acts 16 is? It's the first day Paul ever showed up in Philippi. He showed up by a river. There was a group of women having a prayer meeting early one Lord's Day morning, and he just he stopped and had a little Bible study with them, and there was one woman in that group. Her name was Lydia, and God opened her heart, and she believed the gospel. She was the first convert in Philippi. This is amazing to me. Do you know Philippi was the first place in Europe that got the gospel? And we ought to all be very grateful that Europe got the gospel because guess how we got the gospel? You know, there's a spiritual chain reaction here that all got set in motion in Philippi and it really all got set in motion in one woman's heart. Her name was Lydia. That was the first day. It was on the first day that Paul and Silas got thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. And they sang and praised God at midnight and God opened the jail doors and they preached to the jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And the guy got saved, his whole family got saved and they all got baptized. That all happened on the first day. And 11 or 12 years later, Paul is sitting in Rome writing this letter back to those believers in Philippi. And this is fascinating to me, but when he opens the letter, he goes all the way back to the beginning and he reminds them of the first day. Because watch this, without the first day, none of the other days ever happened. Without the first day, nothing else matters. What is the first day? It's the day you meet Jesus as your personal Savior. Yesterday I was seated next to a man on a flight, very kind businessman from North Carolina, he was coming up going pheasant hunting or something, he and his son-in-law, and he found out I was a preacher. You know, when people find out you're a preacher at 30,000 feet, they're either really glad to be sitting next to you or really wish they weren't. Did you know that? And uh, this fellow, he was glad, and we had a fine conversation, and it turned to spiritual things. He's a religious man, got a religious background. You could tell me about the, the man that founded their church and lots of things like that. But we started talking about personal faith. And I said to him, you know, there, there's a moment Jesus said you must be born again. That doesn't happen when you got born. It's a new birth. It's a second birth. It's not physical. It's spiritual. It's not, it's not an external. It's an internal. It's, it's the new birth. What is that? It's the first day. It's where it all begins. The day I got saved, it was not a preacher that led me to Jesus. There's a kind Christian woman. I was asking questions and she was discerning. And she sensed that God was really working in my heart. I was searching. She sat me down in the back of a room, just me and her, opened a Bible like the one I'm preaching from and explained to me that when the Bible says God loved the world, God loved me. I'd heard all of my life Jesus died on the cross. 
How many of you have heard Jesus died on the cross? It's not enough to believe that. She's the one who explained to me He died on the cross for my sins. He took my place. She's the one who explained to me that He didn't just rise from the dead. He rose from the dead to give me everlasting life. See, nothing is real until it's personal. I'm sorry, but the Christian faith is not a group sport. We don't all get on a bus and and join a club and go to heaven together. That's not the way it works. It's not this way. It's this way. There must be a day where I acknowledge I'm a sinner and Jesus is the Son of God and the only Savior and I put my faith in Him. And that day, Jesus Christ forgives my sin and comes to live in my life. It is the what? First day. Without a first day, none of the other days really make sense. May I ask you a personal question? Have you had your first day? I'm not asking how old you are. Some people don't have their first day till they're 70. Some people don't have their first day till they're 80. Matter of fact, in the last few weeks, I've been in lots of places where numbers of people up in years put their faith in the Lord Jesus. And I was so grateful to God for that because that's when you really start living when you come to know Jesus as your personal Savior. It is the first day that you really believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. It doesn't just mean you believe there's a God. The devil believes there's a God. That's what the Bible says. He believes and trembles. In fact, I think I could show you from the Bible, the devil believes more than you believe because he's seen more than you've seen. But he's not going to heaven. It's not enough to believe in the existence of God. It's not enough to be around Christian things. I grew up in a, in a believing home. I mean by that my parents are Christians and my grandparents were Christians But nobody goes to heaven because of their heritage. It must be a personal faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You must have your own new birth, your own first day with Almighty God. If I go stand in a garage, does that make me a car? You tell me. No. And you can sit in a church building your whole life, and that does not make you a Christian. Only one thing does that. Look at the verse carefully. The wording's important. He says, your fellowship in the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the message of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for us. It is is the message that we are dead in our sins and only Jesus can give us new life, eternal life, abundant life. That's the gospel. And here's the glory of it. When you come to believe the gospel, you come to receive the God of the gospel. John chapter 1 says, but as many as received Him... To them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Watch this. Believe, receive. There's a moment. There's a moment. Look, bells didn't ring, lights didn't flash, I didn't feel funny all over. If you're waiting on a lightning bolt from heaven, you're going to wait the rest of your life. I'm not talking about some emotional euphoria, some some shallow kind of emotionalism. There's a moment where you simply take God at His word. And I tell you, God always keeps His word. And the moment you put your faith in the gospel, God keeps His promise and comes to live in your life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I love this. It's not just that you escape hell. Look at the verse carefully. You come in to the fellowship. If I ask you right now, are you a member of this church? Uh, Most people, many of you would say, oh yes, I'm a member. I'm a member. Church membership and Christian fellowship are not the same. Now, there ought to be Christian fellowship in a local church. You could have, look, you could have your name on every church roll in town, but the only book that really matters is the book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. 
Is your name there? I live in southern West Virginia, the section of the country really known as the Bible Belt, and there are churches everywhere. And you start talking to people about, about spiritual things, and it, it, it would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. But everybody thinks they're a Christian. Everybody. I mean, you ask them about it, and everybody has been baptized two or three times, some of them. And they've joined umpteen churches, and, and some of them, their grandma's a preacher. I mean, they're really religious, you know? I mean, they just, they're so, so ingrained in religious things in some way. And do you know sometimes the hardest thing to do with those people is help them realize their basic fundamental need Everybody needs the same thing, friends. Look, I know you don't know me. I'm not asking you to even take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Everybody in this room, including the man talking to you right now, needs one thing. We all need Jesus. Nobody goes to heaven on their own. No, there must be this day. Oh, what a day it is when Christ comes to live in a man's heart. May today be the first day for somebody. And there's a second day. Look at verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel... From the first day until, what's that word? Everybody circle the now in your Bible, would you please? Because here's the second greatest day of your life. You ready? Today. Today. <laughs> Years ago, I heard somebody say, yesterday's like a canceled check and tomorrow's like a promissory note. Today is a legal tender. It's the only thing that's negotiable. What does that mean? It means you can't back up to yesterday. Talk to me just a minute. How many of you have had some great days in your past that are good memories. How many of you have had some days like that? It's great, but you can't live those days again. Let's flip a coin. How many of you have got some things in your past you think, man, I wish I had a do-over on that one? Would you raise your hand? We all got regrets. We all got blots on our story, but don't miss this. You can't live in yesterday. And, and the other side of it is also true. You can't live in tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. Matter of fact, did you know that tomorrow is one of the devil's favorite words? I'm convinced of that. My, my dad used to work with a guy, and he had a little thing. He said, he said uh, procrastination is my sin. It causes me endless sorrow. I really must stop doing it. In fact, I'll start tomorrow. He was a perfect procrastinator, you know, just tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. There are going to be a lot of people in hell who never intended to go to hell. They, really, they were going to get saved. They just, they just weren't going to do it today. Do you remember... I'm reading right now devotionally through the book of Exodus, and I came today to the plagues this morning. And do you remember when the plague of frogs came? How many of you like frogs? Yeah, there's always a couple unusual people in the audience, and they've identified themselves now, all right? So, no, I'm kidding. I like a frog, but I don't like them everywhere. The plague of frogs, they had frogs in their beds, frogs in their cooking ovens. I mean, they're squishing frog guts between their toes as they walk. There were frogs everywhere. And Pharaoh finally had enough. And he sent for the preacher. And Moses comes. And he says, pray to God for me to take these frogs away. And Moses said, glory over me. When shall I entreat the Lord for thee? I just read this this morning. When shall I entreat the Lord for thee? And Pharaoh gave a one-word answer. It's the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. Would you like to guess what he said? Tomorrow. What was he thinking? Give me another night with those frogs. I don't know if he'd named them Bubba and Bertha and Betsy and made pets out of them. I, I don't know why. I mean, I'd have said yesterday, brother, get them out of here. Pray to God right now to take away the frogs. And you know what we do? We sit and look at that and shake our head and say, how foolish. And I wonder how many people in this room 
saved and unsaved alike know there's something God's prompted us to do. But we say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do that. And I really mean business this time. Tell you what, I'll start that tomorrow. I'll change that tomorrow. I'll obey you tomorrow. I say again, tomorrow is the devil's word. Let me tell you what the Lord's word is. Would you like to know what the Lord's word is? Today. Do you remember? You remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he got that thief hanging next to him? What did he say? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You want to talk about hope in the midst of despair. You want to talk about life in the midst of darkness. What does the Bible say? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Today is a day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. The writer of Hebrews says, if the Lord speaks to you today, then don't harden your heart against that. Why? Because one of the greatest days you're ever going to live is this day. Take a breath. Would you take a breath? Isn't that nice? Just for fun, let's take another one. Take another breath, would you? That, my friends, is God's gift to you. And i got to tell you, at this stage in my life, I'm not old, but I'm older. <laughs> we were laughing yesterday. To the young people, I'm old. To the old people, I'm young. It's a weird place to live. You know, old age is relative. It's 10 years older than whatever you are. That's what it is. But I'm old enough now to realize how fragile it is. And in a moment, health could be gone. In a moment, life could be gone. In a moment, opportunity could be gone. Do you understand what a gift today is? God gave you this day. This is the day the Lord of May will rejoice and be glad in it. Don't miss today. You can't change yesterday and you can't control tomorrow, but you can recognize God is working in your life today and do whatever it is God told you to do today. So, first great day, what is it? The day you met Jesus, the first day. The second great day, today. Dear Lord, give us a revival of present tense Christianity. We got too many people talking about the good old days. What about today? We got too many people holding on and saying, well, we're just holding on trying to endure all this mess. Jesus is coming. I'm looking forward to that too. But God designed it so you can enjoy the Christian life in His presence today. Don't miss your now. But it leads to something. Look please at verse number 6, being confident of this very thing. Mm. Here's what you can be sure of. There's a whole lot I'm not sure of. I don't know what Washington's going to do. Only the Lord knows what Washington's going to do. I don't know what Wall Street will do this week. I don't know what world markets will do. I don't know what, what governments will do and armies will do. I have absolutely no idea. I'm not a prophet, not the son of a prophet. But let me tell you what I do know for sure. I'm confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's the third day. The first day, that's the day of salvation. Today, that's the day God's given you... To use this day. And the third great day. The last day. Can I say the first day of eternity will be the day that you see Jesus face to face. Somebody said, you really believe that preacher? Absolutely. Because it's impossible for God to lie and everything He foretells, He always fulfills. And as surely as I'm alive today and as surely there was a day I trusted Jesus as my Savior, there will be a day that I will see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. You understand Jesus could come before I finish preaching this morning. The Bible says a trumpet would sound. The dead in Christ would rise first. We that are alive and remain, that know the Lord, would be called up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. By the way, this day is only possible for us because of the first day. If you've never had a first day, you don't have that day to look forward to. You must know Jesus as your Savior if you're going to spend eternity with Him. I'm going to tell you, for a Christian, the greatest day you're ever going to live is the day you see Jesus face to face. 
Let that sink in just a minute. Because I meet some people right now. You know, there's a lot of sadness in our world. Suicide is up 200% from my father's generation to mine. Think about that. 200%. I've had friends take their life in the last couple of years. Friends. People I know and love. Depression at an all-time high. We're the most drugged generation in the history of the world. Would you like to know why? Because somewhere we've missed the joy of Jesus. Somewhere we, we've missed the hope of heaven. Somewhere we've missed every good thing God has for us. This is what sin brings. Sin brings sadness. God brings gladness. Now I'm going to tell you today, i got a lot to look forward to. And I hear people sometimes say to me, well, you know, preacher, I think my best days are behind me. May I use a good West Virginia country theological term for that? Hogwash. It's nonsense. Because the best day you're ever going to live is the day you see Jesus face to face. And that day is ahead of you. In fact, I would argue that the greatest days you're ever going to live is going to be that one eternal day. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, it has not even entered into the heart of men the things God has prepared for them that love Him. Do you understand the greatest adventure of all will be when you take your last breath here and your first breath in heaven? You make sure you've had your first day. You give God the day, and then you live every day for the great day, the day you're going to see Jesus Christ face to face. Only God can make your days what they're supposed to be. And God will only do that if you give them back to Him. I'm testifying right now. God can do more with your days than you can. Somebody famously said, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Boy, that's deep, isn't it? But it's right. And do you know why we come on the first day of the week? Do you know why we're even having this meeting? To push the spiritual reset button and say to the God of our days, Lord, our times are in your hand. We want today to be a spiritual reset button in our life. We want to have all that you have for us. Would you take out your hymn book, that hymn book we used a while ago? Everybody find your hymn book just a moment. If you'll do it, I promise not to sing to you, and you can praise God for that, all right? How many of you have heard of singing evangelists? You ever heard of a singing preacher? I'm not one, all right? But I want to take you to a hymn. I want you to put your eyes on it. It's hymn number 62 in your hymn book. I looked this morning to see if it was there, and sure enough, there it is. It's one of my favorites. And did you know it was written by an evangelist? by a gospel preacher named J. Wilbur Chapman. J. Wilbur Chapman got saved under the ministry of another evangelist named D.L. Moody. Maybe you've heard of D.L. Moody, famous evangelist. Moody preached the gospel. Chapman got saved. Moody said to Chapman, you know, you could help other people come to know Jesus. And J. Wilbur Chapman ended up becoming an evangelist, mightily used of the Lord. He got a young man to serve with him as a music man. His name's across the page. You see Charles Marsh? Charles was just a young man, a musician. Quite a musician, too. They're working together, and they go to Stony Brook, New York, for a Bible conference where J. Wilbur Chapman is preaching. And sometime during that conference, we think Chapman wrote these words. Wrote them on a little piece of paper and handed them to Marsh and said, Here, young man, let me give you a poem I just wrote. And after Chapman's death, Marsh wrote the music for it, and it became one of the truly great hymns of the faith. But I love the emphasis of it. Would you look at it? One day, when heaven was filled with His praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, 
Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men. My example is he. Anybody glad Jesus came that day? One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on the tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins, my Redeemer is he. One day they left him alone in the garden. One day he rested from suffering free. Angels came down or his tomb to keep vigil. Hope of the hopeless, my Savior is he. I like this one. One day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now is ascended, my Lord, evermore. Now that's all history, and it's really good history. But everybody look at verse number five, because here's prophecy. Here's the day we're looking forward to. One day, the trumpet will sound for his coming. One day, the skies with his glory will shine. A wonderful day, my beloved one's bringing. Glorious Savior, this Jesus of mine. Look at the chorus. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Can I tell you this morning? One day changes everything. Let this day be that day in your life. And you'll rejoice in it for eternity. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will do what no preacher on earth can do. And you will speak to the hearts of people. And let this day become one of those great days for every one of us. Before we have any music at all or any movement with our heads and our hearts bowed prayerfully, quietly, reverently before the Lord, I want to ask a couple of questions. And I'm going to ask you to be an honest person. And before I ask them, I'm going to tell you something. I don't like embarrassing people. It's not my way. I don't like to be humiliated, and I won't humiliate you. But I'd like to know who you are so I can pray for you. And I'd like to ask you if you'll be humble enough and honest enough. Men and women, young and old, tell the truth. You know, God knows everything, doesn't He? It's dangerous to lie to the God who knows everything. I'm going to ask you if you'll agree with God today about what He knows about you. Here's the first question. Nobody's looking at this preacher. How many people in this room today can honestly say, Preacher, if I died in the next 60 seconds, or Jesus came back in the next 60 seconds, I am 100% sure, not just that I'm in church today, but that I really belong to Jesus. That I'm a part of God's family. Preacher, I know that I have had the first day. I know I've been born again. And the Lord has saved me. And there's no doubt about it. I'd like you to raise your hand toward heaven with mine for just a moment. Only if you know it for certain, you say, I know that. With your hand lifted to God, would you just thank the Lord for that right now? When was the last time you just raised a hand to heaven and said, thank you, Jesus, for not letting me go to hell? Aren't you glad you're a Christian? Nothing like it. You may lower your hands. Some of us could not raise our hand with certainty today. May I say to you, thank you. Thank you for telling the truth. Thank you for not lying 
to yourself and to this preacher and most of all to Jesus. And may I ask you, would you be an honest person again? How many people in this room today would say, Preacher, if I died in the next 60 seconds or Jesus came in the next 60 seconds, I do not have real assurance from the Word of God that my sins have been forgiven. Preacher, I am not positive that I'm ready to go to heaven like I am sitting here right now. But I know this much, I don't want to go to hell. Preacher, I'm not sure that I've really been saved, that I've had the first day. But I know this, I don't want to be separated from God forever because of my sin. And I'm serious enough about it to ask you, would you pray for me? Nobody else is looking. I'd like you to slip your hand up in the air with mine right now, would you please? I see you, you, yes, yes. I see you, thank you. Who else? Pray for me, preacher. God bless you, thank you. I admire you. If you just raised your hand, or you didn't but you should have, I'd like to talk to you for just a second. You can put your hand down, but right where you sit, I want you to listen to me very carefully because what I'm about to say to you is the most important thing you've ever heard in your life. Not because I said it, but because it's the gospel. It's the only way to have your sins forgiven and have peace with God. So listen very carefully. God loves you. You say, you don't know me, preacher. No, but he does. You say, you don't know what I've done. Nobody knows everything, but he loves you. And I'll tell you how much He loves you. He loves you so much, He gave His Son Jesus to purchase your salvation. To pay your sin debt. That's why Jesus died. He died for you. It's got to get real. It's got to get personal. And He didn't stay dead. Here's the real good news. He rose from the dead. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins like the Bible says? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Alright, then here's the Gospel. The Bible says if you believe in your heart the gospel, this truth, and you'll confess him with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. You know, we use that word saved for lots of things. Saved from cancer, saved from a car wreck. No, no. I'm talking about eternal salvation. Saved from sin and death and hell and eternal judgment. That's real salvation. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to know the joy of the Lord, and it is this. You must be willing to believe on Christ and receive Him as your Savior. Now here comes the real question. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you do that? It's simple, but we make it so complicated sometimes. Sometimes people hear, confess with your mouth and they get nervous. They think, uh-oh, he's getting ready to ask me to stand up and give a speech. No, no I'm not. And I'll tell you why I'm not. Because it's not between you and this church. It's between you and Jesus. Do you know how you confess with your mouth? In prayer to the Lord. It's got to start Godward. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says if you will be willing to call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That's God's message, God's promise. It simply means this. If today you'd be willing to pray a simple prayer of faith from your heart, to repent and to believe on Jesus as your Savior, he promised to hear that prayer, to forgive your sin, to come live in your life, and then take you to live with Him for eternity. I'm just going to tell you, you can't beat being a Christian. He comes to live in your heart today, and you get to go live in His house for eternity. That sounds pretty good to me. That's what it means to be saved. I'd like to give every person in this room today 
who's not certain of your soul's salvation, I'd like to give you an opportunity to make this your first day. Remember I said at the beginning of a message I was going to ask everybody here to join me in one of two prayers? So here's the first prayer. It's the starting point. It's a simple prayer from a sinner's heart to God asking the Lord to show His mercy to you. Before we pray it, I want to tell you, you're not talking to me. I'm not your priest. I can't save you. You're talking to Jesus, and Jesus is listening. If you're in this room listening to me right now, and you know God has touched your heart about your relationship to God, and you want your sins forgiven, and you want the free gift of everlasting life, I'm going to invite you right where you sit right now to join me in this simple prayer. I'll lead you in the prayer, but I'm going to ask you if you'll take this prayer and make it your own. Will you pray it from your heart to God? If you want to be saved and know it right now, would you pray something like this? Dear God, I'm a sinner. I could never save myself. And no one else can save me. But I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe You died for my sins. I believe You rose from the dead and I want You to come into my life. Forgive my sins and cleanse my heart and give me the free gift of eternal life like You promised. Jesus, I trust You today to be my personal Savior. Thank You for taking my place. Now help me be unashamed to follow You from this day forward. Our heads are bowed and nobody's looking but this preacher and we'll give you a verse. In the same chapter that says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, it says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. If I gave you a million dollars this morning, would you be embarrassed? <laughs> no, you'd be excited. And if today you took Jesus as your Savior, my friend, you got something a whole lot better than a million dollars. You got something you can never spend up. It's called everlasting life. And I don't think you'll be ashamed to tell me. So I want to ask right now, how many people in this auditorium would say, Preacher, I just prayed that prayer from my heart to God, and I not only prayed it, I meant it. And right where I'm sitting today, I'm asking Jesus to be my Savior and trusting Him for my salvation. I'm getting that settled today, and I'm not ashamed to tell you that. I want you to raise your hand big and high in the air with mine right now. Would you please? You say, I prayed that prayer. God bless you and you. Hold it up big and high. I see you and you. Who else? I prayed today and invited Jesus into my heart. That's wonderful. I see you. If you just raised your hand, would you look at me for a second? Just lift your head and look at me. I congratulate you. You, you. So good. I see you. That's really good. Now, keep looking at me. I just want to talk to you for a second. I'm happy for you. Greatest day of your life. Day you received Jesus. Isn't that good? Will you trust me on something? I asked you to trust Jesus a minute ago, but those of you that prayed, would you look at me just a second? Would you trust me for a second? I will not embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up here and give a speech. Aren't you glad for that? I will not do that. You men and young men that today ask Jesus to be your Savior, I'd like a Christian man here to have a prayer with you. 
I'd like them to give you something you can take home today about knowing Jesus as your Savior. Would that be all right? Good. You ladies, trusted Jesus as your Savior? I'm happy about it. Super happy about it. And I'd like a Christian woman to have a prayer with you. Give you something to take home about knowing Jesus as your Savior. We will not make a spectacle of you. I don't know what you've seen maybe in some other place, but I don't want you to be nervous about it. And part of the reason I'm doing it, the rest of these people don't know this. Remember that second prayer? I'm getting to ask a whole bunch of Christians if they'll come have a prayer with me. And I don't want you lost in the shuffle. So here's what I'm going to ask. No music, no trickery. It's why I'm looking you eye to eye. Man to man or man to ladies. That's what I'm doing. I'm being right up front, honest with you. I'm going to ask the pastor and his wife to come right here in the front with their Bible in hand. There are other Christian men and women here who are going to pray with people. And those of you today that ask Jesus into your heart to be your Savior, and you meant it, and you're not ashamed of it, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus was not ashamed of you when he died on the cross. Don't be ashamed of him today. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I'm going to ask you quickly and quietly to get out of your seat and come shake their hand and say, I'm trusting Jesus. I've prayed that prayer today. And we'll have a prayer with you, give you something to take home as a gift, and you'll be back to your seat. I'm so happy for you. I want to be the first to congratulate you, but I want somebody to have a prayer with you so we can help you in the days ahead. Those of you who prayed, I'm going to ask you to come without embarrassment. One, two, three, quickly and quietly. Would you come right now? God bless you. Come on, sir. Come and tell us. Young lady, will you come and tell us you trusted Jesus today as your Savior? Let somebody have a prayer with you here. That's so very good. Who else? And other folks who can help us pray with people and encourage folks who are coming to Jesus today. Wonderful. Bring your Bible here. Anybody else who say, I want to be saved. I'm coming to be saved. This is so very good. Who else? God bless you. That's so wonderful. Anybody else say, I want to be saved. If there's somebody left in this room right now and you're not a Christian, but you want to be, would you do this? Would you just slip out the back right now? They're, that's where they're going to take people to show them from the Bible, the Scriptures. Why don't you just quietly just get out of your seat, slip right out in the lobby, and somebody will meet you there with a Bible in hand and the love of God in their heart, show you how you can have your sins forgiven. Please, please don't leave without Jesus today. Dear Lord God, don't let anybody in this room, not a single person in this room, say no to Jesus and leave without hope of everlasting life. Save all among us today who need Christ. At any moment, at any moment while I'm talking and praying, even with others, if you need to be saved, you just quietly slip out in the lobby and somebody will meet you there and help you. Could I ask all the Christians to lift your head and look at me just a moment? We're starting a series of meetings today. This is the beginning. It's the first day, right? And I'm excited about Monday and excited about Tuesday. But you know why you have special meetings? You don't have special meetings so guys like me can blow through town and preach a few times. No. I'm going to ask all the Christians who are here that know God's spoken to them. How many of you know God's spoken to you somewhere in this message today? Yes? I'm going to ask you if you'll come join me in this altar for a closing prayer and we're going to talk to the one who's been talking to us. That's not me. That's the Lord. We're going to bring our prayer to God. Here's what I know. Looking around this room, there's a variety of people here, but I know all over this room, there's spiritual needs. I'm going to ask you to be specific and bring yours to the Lord. Maybe you're praying for somebody else. Some of you are really burdened for a family member, friend that needs Jesus. You're thinking about him right now while these people are getting saved. By the way, aren't you glad to see these people coming to Jesus today? It's thrilling. But there's so many more who need him. Maybe you want to come make your prayer for them. We're going to come. If you can kneel, kneel. If you can't kneel, stand. And if you can't stand, sit on the front. But we're going to have a closing prayer together, and then we'll be on our way shortly. I'm going to ask in my prayer today that God will make this day a day long remembered. 
in your life and in this church as a day of new beginning. Would you stand with me all around as we begin the prayer? Father, thank You for the Word of God. Thank You for the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank You for Jesus and the good news of the Gospel and the joy You bring. Father, may every person who needs spiritual help find it today. And may all of us, all of us, including this preacher, draw closer to Thee. Let this day, Your gift to us, be given back to You. And let it be a day of new beginning. I'll count to three. As you begin to play, I'll ask you quickly to come and join me in this prayer. One, two, three. Right now she plays. Would you just let